the Islanders' defense was fine. It was just that the Lightning played such a structured game. When I was watching the third period, all I could think was, wow, this really looks like what the Islanders do to everyone else. <laughs> this was a, a loss where you can look at it and say, there's hope for game four. Neil is actually physically pushing me out the door now. <laughs> Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. As we hit episode 100, that's a one followed by two zeros. That's a lot of episodes. No wonder I need a throat lozenge. And uh, hi, I'm your host, Andrew Gross of Newsday. You can find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday. And I'm joined, as always, during the playoffs by my friends Colin Stevenson at Colin S. Newsday and Neil Best at Sportswatch. And at some point during this episode, our good friend Dan Rosen of NHL.com is going to wander into our makeshift studio. And we're all going to talk about the Islanders' 2-1 loss in Game 3 here at Nassau Coliseum on Thursday night, and that once again puts the Islanders in a 2-1 series deficit. Uh, they managed to rally in the first round against the Penguins uh, after getting a road split and losing Game 3 at the Coliseum, and they managed to do the same thing against the Bruins in the second round, getting a home split, losing Game 3, and then winning the next three. But somehow, Neil, winning the next three against the Lightning and following that trend does not seem quite as likely as it might have against the Penguins or the Bruins. Yes, I definitely feel that is the case, and I wrote that for my column after the game. However, it's kind of interesting that we both, I think we both feel that way, even though because they played them pretty evenly. So it's not like you watch this game saying, oh my God, the Islanders are overmatched. How can they possibly win three of the next four? Um, and they, of course they can win three of the next four. Uh, however, yeah, I think it's more about Tampa. My feeling is more about the Lightning than it is about the Islanders, just that they're, t they're so good. And today they, they, they showed they can be a really good defensive team and not just rely on their high-powered offense. And Right, and I, I agree. I thought the story of this game was really that the Lightning out-defensed the Islanders. And it, the Islanders' defense was fine. It was just that the Lightning played such a structured game and they blocked 21 shots, and Vasilevsky, they, the Islanders just never really made it difficult on Andre Vasilevsky. When I was watching the third period, all I could think was, wow, this really looks like what the Islanders do to everyone else. I mean, now you could sort of see it. The, the Lightning were just doing an Islanders imitation. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's... Uh... You know, everybody should play that way. I mean, you get a lead and uh, you just hold it, you know? This Vasilevsky guy, it's not like he made a whole bunch of 10-bell saves. You know, he just stopped 27 out of 28 shots, and it uh, I don't think of any of them as being particularly memorable. He had one stop on Kyle Palmieri in the first period that I thought was pretty good, and the rest of them seemed almost routine for him. And... That's just maybe what he does. You know, he's just a huge guy that fills up the net, and and, and it just may be what, what he does. Now, I tell you who would know a little bit more about that than, than any of the three of us would know is my pal Dan Rosen, who just walked in and who has been following these Tampa Bay Lightning up until now. So, without further ado. Dan, is <laughs> was, we're, we're, we're talking about the Lightning out-defensing the Islanders in this game, and... As Colin just said, is is this how they do? You're really the king of the segue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that felt a it's little awesome. weird because that's it's great. like Andrew's podcast. It. I mean, I'm not supposed to be the segue. No. Um, you know what? That it, it is what they do, and that's the thing. That's the maturity that they've shown. If you go back to 2019 in the Stanley Cup playoffs when they lost to Columbus. That's that's a famous series now because all the Lightning have done is win since that series. They go on the road for games three and four of that series after losing the first two at home. They lose seven to three and three to one. They, you know, they have ten goals on the road and they get swept. And then last year it's all in the bubble, right? So the road doesn't even count. But 
they're winning with defense and goaltending in these playoffs, and particularly they're doing it on the road. They, they've won four straight road games now. They're 6-1 and one on the road overall. But they've won four straight road games, scoring eight goals total. Why have they won? They've allowed three. So their defense and their goaltending, and especially the way they play in the third period when they take a lead into the third period, it's almost impossible to beat them. So this is the recipe. This is what they do. For so long, they've been known as that run-and-gun, up-tempo, fly-the-zone type of team. But that is, they can play that way if you want to play that way with them. But they, they, they know how to lock it down. They do it really well. Um, so it, it's not surprising when they get a lead and they take it in. Like, that's why that goal by Braden Point was so big for the Lightning because they don't lose. They lost one game in this playoffs when they've taken a lead into the third period. Prior to that, I think they've won 44 straight, right? Eight. Something along those lines. They get a lead, they get that goal, and now all of a sudden they're thinking, it's ours. You know, this game is ours. And then what was even more impressive to me, and John Cooper brought this up, their last five minutes, and really the last 549, was, and in Cooper's word, was clinical. They'll have no shots on goal. In the last five minutes and 49 seconds of this game. Yeah, and it wasn't like the Islanders weren't prime. I mean, they pulled Varlamov with just a little yeah. under two minutes left, and they still couldn't get anything going. And it was it was the offensive zone entries. They were, they were stacked up at the blue line. They just were not giving them any space. Their gaps were so good. And, and all game, the Islanders really struggled to get pucks deep and, and, and to get in on a cycle or any kind of forecheck and, and make that physicality, you know, put it in their their side, their, their check mark, get, get that going. But this is why it's so good having someone like Dan here. I mean, seriously, because I, I the, you know, uh, wait, I, wait, no, no, oh, wait, no. This is episode one hundred. It's devoted to saying no, nice things about me. We said we're getting to that later, but 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 it's interesting to hear this. And of course, I saw it for myself tonight. But you know, we've been so focused on our little East Division and the Islanders, and I, I naively, you know, oh, here come the big bad uh, Lightning with all their big scorers, and Kucherov's going to have you know ten assists a game. And, and he kind of does, though. No, no, I know there's obviously, well, obviously they're still capable of that. But but it's interesting <laughs> to hear Dan talk about how you know, of course, again, it sounds like what we say about the Islanders. Uh, and, um, you know, I guess I wasn't paying attention to that <laughs> until I saw it for myself tonight. That, oh, my God, they're, they're, they're like the Islanders. Yeah. Dan, I think it was your question to John Cooper on the off day after game one. He, he was asked about this idea of, you know, having to defend your way to the Stanley Cup. I think that was your question. Might or have been. Might have been, might yeah. Have been, yeah. And I, I thought Cooper's answer was great, you know, that once the players had started clicking for them, that you don't outscore teams to win a Stanley Cup. You out-defend them. And as soon as those guys started understanding that, and I think that that goes back to the Columbus series. They, they, they haven't lost yet. No, and he said it again tonight. It's not how many you put in, it's how many you keep out. You know, and, and, if you, and he's right. You hold the team to one, it's a good chance you're going to win the game, especially when you have the, you know, the ability to score that they do have. And it's interesting, Neil, hearing you say that, because they do have that ability, right? I mean, they do. But what they've done in the first two rounds in this playoffs where you're, getting, you're seeing the gaudy point numbers, it's all on the power play. Like, mm-hmm. It's all on the power play. What people are not focusing on, because their power play is so good, is how well they're killing penalties when they have to, and how well they're defending, and like I was talking about before, how well they're defending particularly in the third period. And it's something they've been doing. I mean, they were 10-0 and in the playoffs last year, taking a lead into the third period. They were 26-0 and in the regular season, taking a lead into the third period. They lost the game against Florida, and it was like, oh my goodness, what? Wait a minute, we blew a lead in the third. Oh, that never happens. Haven't done it since. And it, it is it is kind of amazing the like the growth that you see in a team, where right now, from what we saw tonight, they're beating the Islanders at their own game. And that's not to say the Islanders can't respond. I mean, they certainly can because these games are tight. You know, you get that one extra goal and it makes a big difference. But tonight for. And, and I, I want to say a little bit of, of game two, they beat the Islanders at their own game, whereas the Islanders in game one played their own game, and the Lightning couldn't play that style. Now they've made the adjustments, so now it comes back 
for game four, it's now it's all on the Islanders to make the adjustments. You know, and this was the game the Islanders and Barry Trotz won because he's talking about you, you can't put them on the power play. And they were, you know, they had five power play chances in game two. They won that one 4-2. Barry Trotz has said repeatedly, we have this has to be a five-on-five series. And game three was a five-on-five game. So I, I guess, you know, I'm looking at it both ways. Uh, exactly what you're Country saying. Country and Western. Country and Western. <laughs> that was it. Uh, uh, yeah, the, 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 the shame of it was the one, I mean, I know they didn't technically get a power play goal, but it was just after power play, and it was a, a not good call in my opinion so you know that that was kind of Barry Trotz's opinion as well yeah it was a weird interference call with a little bit of you know gentle it was gentle touching it was sort Um, of like two (laughs) sailboats sort of brushing up against each other and you know and and because of obviously because of what Tampa's power play can do every call is you know feels bigger than normal and that was not a good call but you know and again, that's that's late in the second period. I thought it was a big sort of turning point, the the whole sequence, because the Islanders, uh, sort of from the midpoint of the second period, once that uh, Jean Gabriel Pajot line had that one shift, mm-hmm. momentum swung towards the Islanders, and, and and then it was followed. the The Nelson line might have had its best shift of the game after that. The Barzell line was dangerous. Uh, they, they wind up getting a power play. They don't score in the power play, but uh, the, the identity line, Cal Clutterbuck pushes in the goal, and, and, and it seems like suddenly the pendulum has gone that way, and the Islanders are going to figure out a way to get it done at home. You know, they're, they're playing in this tight defensive game. They're 1-1. And it looks like they got a chance to, to go into the third period tied 1-1. Or maybe if they keep pushing, you know, maybe go ahead 2-1 because, they, you know, that, that's the way the game seemed to be swinging. And then they call this uh, interference on uh, Adam Pellick, which, you know, you, you, you could probably either call that or not call that numerous times in a the game. There, there are always these collisions. But yet the Islanders managed to, to kill off... Uh, the the two minutes, but just as Pellick is trying to race out of the box and get into play, Victor Hedman takes one of his hard shots, and and Victor Hedman has looked so much better in games two and three than than he has in a while, right? Yeah. Um, and Braden Point sort of from his you know gets knocked down, is on his knees, and you know swipes it in, and then. Barry Trotz opts not to challenge for the goalie interference um, because his video crew basically said, you're not going to win this because Sorelli got pushed into yeah. Varlamov, and I, I thought that whole sequence was where the game was won and lost. Well, and it's not just that. I mean, Brayton Point was falling down because he got cross-checked in the back. That, you know. Yeah, but that's not reviewable. They couldn't call that penalty. Right. He did see that on, he, he on, on did. video. And he, call but that. he did give cross-check to the back. Sezik is clearly cross-checking yeah. the back. I, wa- I wanted to see if someone could get a, a still yeah. shot of you know, Bobby Orr's shot of Point scoring <laughs> that as he was falling down. But he did get cross-checked. And then Andy Green, like, as you mentioned, Andrew, pushes Anthony Sorelli. I wonder if Varlamov's on his feet and comfortable there. He doesn't get pushed into. Does he make that save? Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. Right? Absolutely. But he gets pushed into, and look, it worked once other, <laughs> or it worked once before in this series, pushing a guy into the Islanders goalie, but it, 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 it didn't work well, that, that was, time. That was, that was what I said to Andrew was, why wouldn't you challenge that? And he goes, oh, I don't know. The guy got pushed into him. I'm like, well, you know, last game. <laughs> no, but, they would but, not have won that challenge. No, you can't afford to put and the then, lightning on then, the power play there. And that's exactly right. So you would not have won that challenge. And you'd be putting the lightning on the power play, likely at that point, after giving up a goal. And unless they don't score in the 18 seconds, now they're starting the third period with yeah. a minute 42 on the power play. The game could be game lost. Game could right be lost there. right there. You yeah. can't. You got to take your chances going into the intermission, down two to one, thinking to yourself, "We're good enough to get a goal." And it was interesting to me because John Cooper talked about this. He said, "I thought he was worried in the first five ten minutes of that period, third period, because he thought they were sitting. The Lightning were sitting back. Oh, they much. clearly were. They yeah, were, they were protecting instead. And that that you know, I mean, that's the most dangerous thing you can do is yeah. try to protect a one goal lead in the third period. And they did not get burned, and as that period wore on, they got better and better and better. See, here's the 
it's interesting because after game one, the Islanders were really good, and the, I thought the Lightning were really bad. You know, they, they mishandled the puck all over the ice. Uh, they didn't do the things you need to do to beat the Islanders, which is chip it past them, go get it, play a grinding style, win 2-1, to one, right? That's what you have to do. Um, now they've done those things. Now I think what is the interesting part is now the Islanders have to adjust to the way the Lightning are playing, which is the way the Islanders play. <laughs> so now the Islanders have to try to adjust to beat themselves in a way. Yeah, it's, exactly. kind of well, it, it's, yeah. it's what they practice against. Yeah. So theoretically, and, and, and this was the point I was going to get to before, you could look at it as the Lightning are you know beating the Islanders at their own game, but at, uh, you can also look at it as the Islanders are right there. Yeah. And, you know, break here or there could be a 2-1 series. It's it's still anybody's series going into game four on Saturday night. I, I, I think it's legitimate to look at it that way. Uh, I th- yeah, no, I definitely, well, I, I w- yeah, the Islanders are not the way to bet at this point. But, yes, in terms of them having a, a legitimate chance Why to get back. Why do you keep in- talking about betting? No, well, it's legal now. We're allowed to talk about betting. No, I, I do. Th- I, the, the island the, edibles are, are going to yeah. be legal soon too. Well, are we, we going to talk about that? We're going to do that. For, that's for episode one hundred and one. Yeah. Uh, but the, the only thing I would say is that even though they both teams have shown they can play defensively, it goes back to what we said earlier that the Lightning have these you know weapons at a level maybe the Islanders do not. Um, so. It, you know, that's another thing going against the Islanders. But another thing about this defensive style I was saying to Colin earlier, to me, um, this series has not been as entertaining as the Boston series to me. I, now, partly it's because of this style of play maybe, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, these are important, interesting games, and they're close, I guess. But I, I don't know. The Boston series was more fun to me. It was more entertaining to me. Wow, Neil Best bored uh, in the no, NHL semifinals. No, I, no, I'm just, I'm I you thought why. it was more entertaining. I, why was it more entertaining? I'm sorry. Because after every game, Bruce Cassidy gave you something to work oh, okay. with. <laughs> well, well, Cooper, Cooper can tell us tell stories about Hofstra lacrosse. He can, he's great. Well, and Cooper's, Hofstra hockey. Hofstra we were supposed to oh. talk about Hofstra hockey Co- too. Cooper's Co- John Cooper is terrific in press conferences, but he's winning. So he's won two in a row. <laughs> no. When when Bruce Cassidy was great, it was after they I lost. Thought it was more, I thought those games. I'm not dumping on this series. The Boston <laughs> series to me was a unusually entertaining series. Um, I think the hits were harder. There was a lot of hits. There were a lot of hits, and it seemed like they were just pulverizing each other. And, and, yeah. and ultimately, you know, I mean, Clutterbuck was crushing people and Martin was crushing people and now it just doesn't seem like there's as many of those you know explosive hits and just well, like, vi- I just like violence hits. well I guess. The, 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 the Lightning are also a faster skating team than the Bruins yeah, exactly. and the Islanders yeah, have had a little trouble yeah. light, so lighting, that lining was, them up that, that was that was something we talked about before this series was will the Islanders be able to catch the Lightning to hit them yeah. That that's the thing the Lightning don't get hit like that very often because they elude the hits with their speed. Uh, and I do think the other thing about it with that Boston series is you had two teams that battled it out eight times during the regular season. And now you've got two teams that hadn't played each other since they played in a bubble with no fans. You know, So there is there a, a rivalry because they're playing each other in the semifinals or conference final, whatever you want to say, again? Maybe, but it's different. It's completely different. They haven't seen each other all year. Game one, you know, was the Islanders playing their game and the Lightning trying to feel it out and getting lost in that way. And games two and three, the Lightning have been better. It's back to your point. I mean, this series can still go anybody's way. It's a break here or there. It totally is. I think you saw the Lightning in game two bring the extra after post-whistle, you know, post-whistle stuff, and that helped them. Tonight, they didn't necessarily need to do it because they were defending so well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things I've been impressed with the Lightning about is, you know, obviously being laser-focused on the Islanders, it's about the Casey Sezikis line and what that identity line brings. And I'll tell you what, I'm impressed as heck with the Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman... 
uh, uh, line with, you know, yep. uh, that's just, I mean, they and they produced the goal tonight with Barclay Goudreau. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, it, it seems to me that's an equalizer line with, with the, the Islanders' identity line. It, to- it totally is. Now, Barclay Goudreau missed the first five games of the playoffs with an upper body injury, and the Lightning didn't play this way. It's interesting. Like they didn't. They they actually they played eleven forwards and seven D, uh, so it was a little mismatched and whatnot. And and the Panthers play a running gun style, but they didn't play this way. Barclay Goudreau comes back. They can fill out their twelve forwards. Now they have their lines set the way they want, and they can play a certain style. And the beauty of that line to me is not. And you saw it tonight. Not just is it so good on the forecheck and aggressive and getting pucks in and doing all those little things that, you know, play winning hockey in the playoffs, even if it's all not all that exciting. <laughs> um, you st- what a skillful play that Blake Coleman makes yeah. to, to get the first goal. He juggles the puck to himself and then a quick backhand to Yanni Gord. So they can do all those other things and they can score big-time goals. And that's what – they were really dangerous in the bubble last year, and they're super dangerous right now. And it's part of what makes them such a deep team. You know, when coming into this series, talking to some of the Lightning players, they were saying they thought the Islanders might be the deepest team in the league based on that fourth line, mm-hmm. right, based on that fourth line. Other, and then the, the, the thing was, I guess you could also say us because they're right there, and their fourth line's good too. So – it, but that third line with Coleman, Gaudreau, and Gord has really been impressive. And, it, and in a way, a lot of times, it drives the energy of the Lightning, too. Yeah, no, and, and the fourth line, I mean, I, I can remember when Tyler Johnson yeah. w- was playing, like, top six minutes. triplet with yeah, was, Rob and Palat. Right, and, and now, you know, and, and Pat Maroon is, uh, you know, he's just a beast out there, yeah. you know. Yes? You hummed. I was going to talk about something completely different. I, I'm sorry. I just... Um, Neil's bored. No, Danny, you're the king of the segue. I'm bored with this whole series, but but it's going to get better. It's going to be it's going to be an exciting uh, finale. Um, no, I was going to mention Anthony Beauvillier. Let's talk about Anthony okay. Beauvillier. Thank you. I was uh, thank you for bringing that up. Um, <laughs> You know, we've, we've all talked throughout his career about what a streaky player he is. Yes. And uh, we're, we seem to be seeing it again because early in these playoffs he was ex- extremely impressive and, and making a difference, and now uh, he, less so. He had, uh, I just looked at the numbers, he had four goals and five assists in the first eight games. He's had two assists in the last seven games, and they both came in game five against the Bruins which means he's gone four games in a row now without a point, including tonight. I, overall, I mean, you know, expanding it from Anthony Beauvillier, I thought, whole ga- line was bad. I, I thought game three was Brock Nelson's probably his least effective game in, in the Zero playoffs. Zero shots on goal for Brock Nelson. Yeah, I, I mean, Josh Bailey was, he, he was probably the best of the trio tonight, but they, they didn't get much done. But that was, Between that was the three their, of them, was, they had two shots on goal. That, that was, the, as we talked about many times, that was their best line against Pittsburgh, and they've been very effective, and lately, you know, yeah. less uh, so. Uh, on the other hand, it was a huge bonus for the Islanders that Jean-Gabriel Pajot was able to remain in the lineup. He was he was one of five players who did not skate this morning, and he sat out a good portion of the third period in Game 2 after uh, it, it became a 4-1 lead for the Lightning. Uh, Barry didn't want to risk uh, further aggravating a tweak. Now, I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't know where tweak falls in the body range, upper, lower, middle, you know, so sideways. He tweaked something. He tweaked something. But that, that line was very, you know, Palmieri uh, had a couple of great chances. Ajak actually looked pretty good after we tried to bench him after the last game. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, that line yeah. was effective. The, the identity yeah. line was effective. The, yeah. the second line. Yeah, hold, hold the Zajac thought for... Uh, for Andrew's answers at the end. You said 20 minutes into this thing we were supposed to do our tribute to you. Are we not at that point yet? We're not worthy. Oh, stop. (laughs) You you knew I was kidding about that. Apparently not. (laughs) Well, I mean... If you want to go around the table no, just, and say nice things no, no, about I, me, at some, no, at some, 
Actually, honest to God, you know what we should say nice things about here? What? Uh, We've gotten through 100 episodes. Well, we've gotten through 99 plus episodes. We're not through this one yet. Right. (laughs) The the one guy who never gets to... To, to, to talk on this, but is as big a member of this team as anyone is, is, is our producer and digital editor, Mark LaMonica, who makes everything possible. And I know you guys haven't heard him, but you should read his MMA coverage. And, and if we should pay homage to anyone, I, it, it should be Mark LaMonica. Well, particularly during the playoffs where, you know, look, we're all working hard and staying up late. Well, he's staying up even later. Well, he's and, got small kids. <laughs> and he has small kids, which we do not. So, yes, Mark Lamonica des- deserves a lot of credit for this thing. But, you know, also our host. I mean, 100 episodes, you know. Well, 99. Uh, 99 and a half. <laughs> no, you, you, Mark, the whole thing has been great. And, of course, the fact people have been actually listening to this is the most important thing. We appreciate that. Um, <laughs> that that's the most curious well, thing. <laughs> Um, no, it's been, you know, yeah, it's it's a tribute to you and to Mark that, that you know, Ed Colin and I just okay. kind of dropped the parachute. And no, you guys. Dan's you? been done one of these. Yeah. <laughs> I just like what you said, that people are actually listening. They are. They, <laughs> seem, they, seem, they seem to be. I don't know if they're going to listen because they're too bummed out tonight, but, that, but they've been listening. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, and, and look, this has been a lot of fun, win or lose, you know, through the playoff run. It's and, more fun when you win, though. Well, more fun for the listeners. Yeah, no, surely more fun for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> who who wants to go over, you know, bad losses? But, again, this was not a bad loss. This was a, a loss where you can look at it and say there's hope for game four. You know, I, I, Cal, Clutterbuck, Cal Clutterbuck was asked about getting more out of the team. And he said, you know, particularly I, it was your colleague, Tom Galitti. Uh, who we, we know and love, and we've all worked with at one point or another. But I gave him nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, so that that's was Colin doing a Lou Lamarillo impression, talking to Tom Galitti about <laughs> not giving me any information. Well, loyal listeners of the podcast will yes, we'll, yeah, we'll get yeah. the reference from two, two episodes ago. Well, how many episodes ago was it? Um, so what was I saying there? Something about I don't know. Oh, we were talking a, about Bobillier. Uh, uh, no, well, that was a that was a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were you, you were making a cogent point actually about uh, <laughs> about how Cal Clutterbuck. I mean, oh, Cal yeah, Clutterbuck yeah, yeah. said you know he, Tom Galitti was asking him about the twenty one block shots yeah. and he goes well. Uh, you know, it, it was kind of fuzzy math, but he said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." You add the twenty-one with the the thirty shots we got, and they got twenty-eight shots. He goes, "That's a really good number." And if we just add to that, we will be fine. And there is some logic in, in what he's saying, but they have to get more dangerous shots. Well, that that's literally what I, I was just about to say. They'll be fine if they get traffic in front of yeah. Vasilevsky, and if they shield him a little bit and. I mean, they got a goal tonight because the Lightning gave them one. Yeah. Well, Cernak. Okay. Uh, yeah, was, yeah. I don't know now, what that was about. Now, that was, was a pressure-created goal by the Islanders. They yeah. were all over them. There was pressure. Vasilevsky fumbles the shot from Matt Martin. Cernak, in, in, instead of trying to knock the puck away, maybe put it in the corner. He's trying to try put it under him. Uh, put it, give it back to the goalie so he could freeze it. The goalie's probably going, <laughs> why are you giving it back to me? Get it out of here. You know? <laughs> And it goes off a of clutterbuck and in. Um, so that's kind of a, a pressure goal. The Islanders earned it, but it was a gimme as, at the same time. They need to get more dangerous shots. But here's the one thing about the the Islanders, and, and you know, and and that that feeling of like it, it, that's a lot, that's good. We just need a little bit more. Vasilevsky hasn't stolen a game yet no. in this series, no. and he hasn't really stolen one yet. You could say in the playoffs, he hasn't had to. Because they've played so well defensively in front of him. But he's the best goaltender in the world. The difference between Vasilevsky and Varlamov, and Colin and I were talking about this earlier, it's not huge. Varlamov is a terrific goaltender. But Vasilevsky has that ability to, to absolutely rip, a, rip away a game from the New York Islanders. They get 50 shots on goal and not score mm-hmm. on this guy because he's that good. And that's the one thing I would be leery about with this. The Islanders can, can try to generate more. They have to generate more. But... This guy's that good that he could just take it away from him. 
Right, and, and yes. You know, it's, and that's something we talked about a lot in the Pittsburgh, yeah. obviously in the Pittsburgh series, but then Boston where Rask was not right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, now they've stepped up in class with this goalie. Yeah, no, they, they certainly, and they, they got to take away his eyes. They have to. They're not yeah. doing enough of that. I don't know that they're, they're not, it's not like they're not trying to do it. I, I give full credit to the Lightning for not allowing them. Well, it was like it. there was an yeah. umbrella in yeah. front of the crease, and they just, you know, it was, it was a no-fly zone it, at, it at times. They've been really good at that. And and the other thing I've, I've, I've seen the Lightning do a lot of now, especially in the last two games, is what you think the, the Islanders need to start doing is just chipping it past them. Try to, like, you see Barzell skating it through. Right, mm-hmm. and he's probably the only guy on the team that really is good at skating it through like that. But even he needs to chip it past him and go get it, because you got to play to beat Vasilevsky. You got to play low to high. Mm-hmm. You got to get the puck in low, pull it back up high, get in front of his eyes, and beat him with a shot like that. He's not going to get beat. Pulak beat him with a clean shot in game one. That's very rare. That, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. That might not happen yeah. again the whole series. Yeah, and, and Palmieri was really good. You brought him up, Neil. And Palmieri was really good tonight because he wasn't settling for something from the outside. He was trying to push in the inside. By the way, he's he's a treat to watch in the playoffs. Isn't Kyle he? Palmieri. Yeah. Like he, he's earning himself some money. Yeah, he's yeah. not boring, Neil. No, he, <laughs> no, he was not boring tonight. And, uh, yeah, he's had a great playoffs and it's I mean, he probably, won't be, here. He probably won't be here next year, but he's been, he, yeah. he's he's validated that trade, certainly. Yeah. It's all because of the beard. When he I know, came I know. I've, always, agree, I've beard, always agreed with you right? on the beard thing. And, uh, That's why he won't sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Look, I, I couldn't get through episode 100, and not like this is Johnny Carson's last show where, you know, <laughs> Bette Miller's going to come out and sing to me or anything. But I, I, I could not get through episode 100, and we haven't done one of these segments for a little bit. But you, the listener, are such a huge part of this that we, we got to get you included here. So uh, we are going to do some Andrew's Answers. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. And I got four questions lined up in the queue today, and they're all via um, Newsday Islanders text, which, again, is your direct connection to one-on-one communication with me. And if you would like to uh, check it out and see what it's all about, please text 631-303-3766. That's 631 631- 303-3766 or go to newsday.com backslash Isles text to start your 14-day trial subscription. Let's see. We should start right here with Michael Fernandez. Says, with the scoring troubles in this series, when do we go see Oliver Wallstrom? Oh, the Oliver Wallstrom yes. question. And uh, we, <laughs> as we've discussed, you know, we thought Going into the series, maybe Oliver Wallstrom would go in because the Lightning are a faster team and goals are going to be at a premium. Barry Trotz stuck with Travis Sajak. They they win game one. Barry doesn't change the lineup after wins. Game two. Game two, Barry was reasonably satisfied, I guess. He keeps things together. Now off a 2-1 loss in game three. Do we see Oliver Wallstrom in Game Four? I I don't know if we will. I think we should, um, <laughs> but I don't know if you know Barry. I think you know with the goalie thing. He usually listens to me. With everything else, he ignores me. <laughs> I, I I do. Th- yes, I do think it's worth a try to just give them a, a, a jump start. Yes, I, I think it's worth it. I think exact. I think you will actually, I, because you're going to add an extra element of offense into a series that needs it for the Islanders. I mean, and his shot is so dangerous that I would absolutely put him in is even if it's just, you know, for the rare times you put him on the power play too. Like I, I, he, he has an element to this team from a forward perspective that's missing right now. And it's not, it's not that they have missed it so badly because they've been okay. But now that you've lost two in a row, I think you got to change the mojo a little bit. Colin. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's settle. Well, yeah, let's do it. Right. 
Well, let me let me add to that because I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna make it a clean sweep and 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 I do think uh, the Islanders could use Oliver Wallstrom in the lineup and I agree Game Four would probably be the uh, rather than trying him in a Game Five on the road at least do it at home and, and if you've noticed on the power play uh, the last two games Barry has switched it up. Right. Travis Zajac has been in on that unit yeah. and I and and. That would be the spot you'd, you'd take uh, Travis Zajac off that unit, and he went on for defenseman Ryan Pulak, who was lining up in the Alex Ovechkin shot for the one timer, and that's where Ali Wal- uh, Oliver Wallstrom would be. So I, I think the pieces fit. You can uh, it, it, you can make a one for one trade and and put I, I Wallstrom would, on Pajot's right even wing. Necessarily take Zajac out. I mean, you could see you, at this point you could take out Leo. Oh my God! Yeah, no, and, no. And, Leo, and, and Leo's like untouchable. The, would, the, could, the crowd chanted for Leo today. <laughs> yeah, they'll chant for you if you do something that you know that that makes them happy. I would surely agree they would not. <laughs> no, but you could make Neil a very happy guy if you take Leo out Le- and put Wallstrom on that line with Barzal. That would make Neil's. Well, could we? I mean, to to wrap up all of the things that really anger Barry, <laughs> could we not now put Kyle Palmieri on Barzell's line and Wallstrom with? Oh yeah, yeah with Pajot and sure. Zajac. Yeah, 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 you could do that too. I, that'd be fine with me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. That that, yeah. that being said, Leo had a very active game. He might have he might have had some of their better scoring chances. He just couldn't. I, he but doesn't have he, the but, skills but to. Again, yeah. again, for the fiftieth time, I have nothing against Uncle Leo. I just don't want him on the first line. That's all. It's all not right. the first line. Well, the second line, which was the first line, is no longer the first line. So now, what is the first line? Well, Pajot was the top Pajot line. line. Right. Is so Pajot is the first line now. Okay. What's the next question? The next question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Joe has no use for this. He's yeah. like. Joe Hunsberger asks, and this is a looking ahead question, who is on the expansion draft protection list? Wow. Letty or Mayfield, uh, Everly, wow. Bailey? Is now and, the and, time to be out? No, no, be very nice to Joe. Joe is a tremendous well, listener no, I, and friend of the it's, show. It's an interesting question. It's just that, you know, it's hard to... Answer it now. Letty. <laughs> I want Letty in Seattle. Well, so he's not on the list. Mayfield is on the protected yeah. list. There's absolutely no way yeah. they're protecting no. Nick. Well, oh, wait a minute. Scott the question, well, because of the salaries wait, 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 as well. Yeah. I, I misunderstood no, what he said. No I mean, chance. I misunderstood the and, question. And no, then, I, I meant Letty. Wait, yeah, I'm we sorry. get it. I, we, yeah, we, we, we understand. I want Letty want. in Seattle. Yes. yes. Okay. You said it. You said it. And, no, and who was, what was the other one? Bailey, Everly, and Bailey, and. And they're they're not protecting Jordan Everly. No, they're not. And yeah. and through this playoff run, I am starting because during the regular season, I was like, you know what? Because the salaries, either one, you expose Josh Bailey, you expose Jordan Everly. Josh Bailey absolutely one hundred percent deserves the chance to retire an Islander. He has meant that much to this franchise. At this point, the man has a song. (laughs) They have a they write they sing songs about. Well, they sang to Uncle Leo. They sang to (laughs) Pajot today. You can't keep everyone with the song. They sang to Stamkos too. Yeah, well, uh, Stamkos is yeah. What's that about? First of all, I don't know why they dislike Stamkos. Second of all, I don't. He's been kind of quiet in this series. But um, again, I have nothing against Nick Letty. Just like Komarov, but you know, if somebody has to go to Seattle, I don't. You know, I'm not looking. I'm not looking to kick him out of New York. But if someone's got to go, yeah, no, I, I, I think Jordan Everly uh, just is probably on consistency. You, you would, yeah, you would try and pick Bailey over Everly if he can't get that. They can only lose one guy though. So yeah, they're not gonna lose them both. And that's, and you're assuming that Seattle would take. Letty yeah, they might want a, yeah. You know, they might want something different. They might, 
They might want just, you know, a, a guy that's on the list that doesn't carry much salary because they got so many other guys right. that they yeah. want to take. But yeah. if you're if you're making your lists right now, Jordan Everly is not on the Islanders protected list, no. nor is Nick Letty. No, I, I, I agree 100%. Okay. All right. Yes. What's the next question? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> folks, if, if you can get the visual, Neil is actually physically pushing me out the door now and, and reaching into my pocket to give me my car keys. <laughs> yeah, Neil, you are doing a great job playing the grumpy old man. This is just, uh, Why awesome. is this night different from other nights? Let's go. Right. Four, four questions. <laughs> Uh, ah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, Benny Deer says, what was your first experience with the Nassau Coliseum, and what is your favorite part about watching games there? And I'll flat out, my favorite part about watching games in this building is what your favorite thing about watching games is, which is it feels like you're sitting on the ice. It, it, you're a part you know, it's almost 14,000 in here, full capacity, and it feels like, you know, it, it, you're, you're a community of one, in a way. And the press box here, you know, I, I know it does not matter to, to anyone else but sports writers, but the press box here at Nassau Coliseum is equivalent to sitting in the lower bowl in most NHL arenas in this league. Um, you know, in in every other arena where basically, you know, our heads yeah. heads right. against the ceiling and it, it's kind of tough seeing the ice. And here you're just right in the middle of all the action and, you know, the atmosphere here. We, we, we could go on forever about that. But um, my first experience with Nassau Coliseum, um, mid-90s. And again, I grew up in lower Manhattan, and I did grow up an Islander fan, but Dad was not driving me out to Long Island, so uh, I did not get a chance to actually come to the Coliseum uh, until, I believe it was maybe early mid-90s. I forget exactly when. Thomas Soderstrom was the goalie. I and Thomas yeah, I was covering the team in those days. Yeah, yeah. And my my now wife, my then girlfriend, uh, bought bought us two tickets, right up against the glass in the corner, uh, for for a, for an Islander game, and it was, and you know just walking in here, even in the early nineties, it compared to some of the other arenas <laughs> I'd been in, it was like walking back in time, even then. Um, well, uh, yeah, obviously everything you said about the atmosphere, the sight lines, all true. And, and, you know, you see the difference with these modern, very spread out, huge arenas. And, uh, you know, I, I've made no secret uh, in print or on this podcast, I guess, that I was a Rangers fan as a kid many, many, many years ago. My first, my most memorable early Nassau Coliseum uh, memory is um, Game 7 of the 1976 ABA semifinals oh. when when the Spurs and the Nets just really, really hated each other. And, uh, you know, I remember even as a kid thinking, if I'm ever, like, some kind of writer, I have to tell future generations how good Julius Serving was. <laughs> and, oh. and, and, and a lot of people only saw him as a 76er, really right. don't I know how good he was. Know. So that's my first Coliseum memory. Yeah, and, and I was a, a New York Nets ABA fan as well, and I, I think as a as a Jewish kid growing up on the Lower East Side, I'll tell you exactly. I, I may have even said this on the podcast before. I, I told Michael K this story once. Um, Name dropper. My favorite thing about the Nets. <laughs> was listening to John Sterling do the games on the radio, WYMCA. WYMCA? Yeah, 570 uh, AM. Isn't it just WMCA? What did I say? It doesn't matter. MC, whatever. Forget it, he's rolling. (laughs) John Sterling never said Julius Irving. He would either say Julius or Dr. J or Irving, usually Julius or Irving, and I'm not making this up, as a Jewish kid growing up on the Lower East Side, I'm like, this is the greatest team in the world, it's got two Jews playing for Julius and Irving. (laughs) 
and I love the team. <laughs> oh my god! I, I, I told wow. Michael K that story while he was partnered with with John, and he was oh like, "You've got god. to tell John that Why? story." Well. <laughs> I can't beat that story. I can't. You win. No, 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 but, no more, it, but it wasn't no a story. I can't beat that. No I, more calls. We have a winner. Yeah. No, I, I think the, my favorite part of the Coliseum is the low ceiling and the noise. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And the atmosphere that creates. The press box, professionally, is fantastic, but just that feeling that you get because the noise is so loud, because the ceiling's so low. I hope they... I know they're going to try to recreate that yeah. in the new arena. And I hope it. I hope it works out. I grew up in northern New Jersey, and I grew up going to games at Brendan Byrne Arena, Continental yeah. Airlines s- Arena. A little bit similar, but but that even that's a much bigger building. It was a much bigger building. But my point is, is that the only time we would ever come to Long Island is really just if my my father had a friend that lived out here i mean nassau coliseum might as well have been on mars for me it it was we just wouldn't come so my first experience here was the first game i ever covered here which happened to be the al arbor game oh when al arbor came back and ted nolan was the coach and i mean obviously i know all the history of the islanders and and everything about it and that was i'll never forget it because it was just such a cool experience whoever gets like that Experience. It, is, it was just great that they invited him back to coach the game. He actually did coach the game and talking to him after the game. It was, you're talking to one of the greatest coaches of all time. And I was still new with all this. And it was just, it was just really just a cool environment, a great environment to be in. And I'll never forget it. But <clears throat> that was my first experience. My first, all of my experiences now at Nassau Coliseum have been in a working capacity. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that one game that, uh, the Jenny, my wife, took me to is the only Islanders game I've been here in the stands. Mm. You know, I'm like you. Everything's been professional, and I know Colin covered this team for for many years back in a former life. Yeah, no, I, well, you know, not many years, I don't think. No, I, I uh, my first game here, I was covering the visiting team. I was covering uh, I, my first job covering the NHL was was. Working for the Asbury Park Press, and I used to cover in those days home games for the Rangers, the Devils, and the Flyers because <clears throat> the, the way that where the press was located, yeah, Flyer fans in that in that area. And I actually, I mean, I didn't have to, but I wanted to come out. I came out here with a Flyer game, um, so I came out with the Flyers writers and and, uh, and got a chance. It was my first time in the building as well, but I, I had grown up watching. <clears throat> watching the Islanders, and then my first recollection of watching them was that '79 series against the Rangers, actually, which they did not win. Um, but I, you know, but I, but I, I favored the Islanders uh, as a as a youngster, and um, and that was a, quite quite a thrill for me to, to come out here, and, and I did <clears throat> I did get a chance to cover the Islanders with the Pierre Turgeon years, and and, uh, and and I got to work with Al Arbor, and that and that was that was really cool. But no, this is. I'm going to be sad to see this building go, for sure. Well, it's it's not going anywhere. Just That's true. That's we're going somewhere. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we'll, we'll be back here in December for New York Riptide games. So uh, yeah. I might do that. My kids are big oh, lacrosse fans. My oh, kids actually came to a Riptide game. Oh, 100% we're coming to a Riptide game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last one here, and uh, maybe, the, the, maybe the most impressive thing I've done in 100 episodes of Island Ice is learn how to pronounce this guy's last name. <laughs> so Michael Tricarico, he goes, now that you have been on the Islanders beat for a while, what, is, what has been your favorite and least favorite things about covering the team? And Michael Tricarico, uh, who at one point I was just calling Mike T, with his permission. <laughs> um, he, he also says he, he is praising Neil and Colin uh, for the banter that we come up with, which is all scripted and none of it is off the cuff whatsoever. Julius and Irving. Yeah. Oh, I'm never going to forget that. <laughs> I mean, I, I was seven years old. I've never forgotten it, Julius. You know, and and I, you know, because the only 
Jewish men I knew were all like, it was my grandfather, you know, who unfortunately was like on oxygen tanks. I just imagined like Julius with a cane on the ice <laughs> driving the baseline, you know, <laughs> with the low walker with the tennis balls on the bottom. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, anyway. So, Michael Tricarico said, my favorite and least favorite things about covering the Islanders. Well, I mean, my, my favorite is just, you know, it's like it is with any team you cover. It's the relationships you make with, with the players and, you know, getting to cover Lou again after, you know, getting to know him with the Devils. Um, and, and certainly working with Barry Trotz, who is absolutely as, as good as it gets in the league in terms of dealing with the media and you know and while we're doing shout outs just the Islanders PR staff led by Kimber Arbach you know is is kind of second to none around the league as well and just you know so I to me it's always about the relationships and the and the stories you you can tell by getting to know people and and my least favorite thing is is easy as well and that's you know, it taking me two hours to drive out <laughs> to Nassau Coliseum. And again, shouting back to a previous episode, I am still looking into buying that helicopter because today sent me over the edge, folks. <laughs> but anyway, that that is it. And we're going to uh, let you guys go. I'm talking about Colin, Dan, and Neil, and and I'm also talking about you listeners. You can move on to whatever's next in your life. And uh, <laughs> uh, I, I just want to say to wrap up, you know, uh, again, uh, episode 100, uh, you know, when, when we started this prior to, I guess, the uh, well, it, this is our second season of doing it, and we you know, before, uh, what is this? This is the 2021 season. So before yeah. going into, you know, so we started this, I guess, September 2019. Uh, you know, 100 episodes seemed very, very far away uh, when, when I started. And I went back and I listened, you know, to how I introduced the first episode and not much inflection in my voice. I, I'll be honest. I, didn't really know what I was doing. Not that I still do, but at least I'm a little bit more comfortable with it. But I, you know, I, I just want to say to to each and every one of you who who sits through this and listens, uh, my heartfelt thanks. Uh, this is all for you. I mean, the, it, it's so much fun to put these these podcasts and episodes together. But really, it, it's to get you know more information and more Islanders content. Uh, to to the people who count most, and uh, I, I just want to say thank you for listening along, and I am certainly looking forward to the next 100, and uh, we'll start with that. We'll we'll start that after Game Four on Saturday night, uh, and until then, uh, any content you want to read or listen to is all up on the Newsday website. That's newsday.com backslash Isles. And uh, my thanks again to our special guest, Dan Rosen of NHL.com. And, uh, you know, it's great being in a makeshift studio with a real TV star. And... Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also uh, my good friends, Colin Stevenson and Neil Best, who I could not do this without. And until episode 101, happy hockey, everybody. <laughs>